The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. Right. It is what it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conspiracy Pilled, your favorite mostly hinged conspiracy podcast. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me, as always, even though... Regrettably. Regrettably, at times, is Abby Libby. No, I'm excited, Abby. How you doing? I'm great. I'm I was great. just making a joke because on Twitter, I was like, this is, this is the show you get when I just let Abby just take the reins and do whatever the heck she wants. So <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. You explain. What are we talking about tonight? Okay, we're going to talk about... The two trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we're going to talk about psychedelics <laughs> and um, and alchemy and secret societies. Um, and then and we're Twilight. Talk about Twilight. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to make sense. Probably. I, I, <laughs> probably. I love this because it's like, hey, Abby, what's your what's your show for this week? She's like, it's about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, psychedelics and the Twilight books. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. I, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I love it. So <laughs> this is how Abby had to have felt when I'm like, hey, um, I know you're really sick, so I've got this episode. Let's do alien sex cults. <laughs> I was like, there's nothing I can do to stop you. <clears throat> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You're too weak. So yeah, because you're a woman and then because you had COVID. So yeah, yeah. yeah both <laughs> of those things together really, really both knocked those, me out. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited for this one. What do we what do we got going on? Let's okay. So we we have to celebrate that yes. we passed our YouTube subscriber count on Rumble. So our Rumble is officially bigger than our YouTube ever was. So screw YouTube. Yeah, screw YouTube. Thank you. Yeah, seriously, big shout out to you guys who come and watch the show and support us because that was a huge thing for us when we stopped giving the whole show to YouTube and people were like you're that's stupid. You guys will never have any same type of success you guys get on Rumble. And instead, we have surpassed by far the numbers of people that come and watch and like and share. And now we've passed the subscriber count on, on Rumble. So that's really, really awesome. Thank you, guys. I also see your uh, wonderful Rumble rants over on Rumble right now. Um, quick uh, shout out to or quick reminder that we are going to be reading all of your Rumble rants, all of your Odyssey. Uh, what are they even called on Odyssey? All uh, hyper chats, hyper chats, all of your rumble rants, all of your hyper chats at the end of the show. So uh, send those in and we'll get to them at the end of the show. Also, I noticed that rumble Rick is a, a monthly supporter for us now over on rumble. So thank you, rumble Rick. Thank you. Um, and another shout out to our other supporters. We have two new supporters on locals, uh, Hazel four, two, three and Scotty Walker. 
So thank you guys for coming over to conspiracypill.locals.com and getting our bonus weekly unhinged episodes. And if you want to get all of that content, plus a bunch of other people, because if you come over and you give $5 a month on locals, you get all of our unhinged content. But if you want to get it live and you get 250 plus other uh, content creators, you get like Paul Joseph Watson, you get Sam Tripoli, you get a bunch of other people. You guys can go to Rockfin. That's R-O-K-F-I-N, rockfin.com slash conspiracy pilled. And we have another Rockfin supporter, 2020 Madness. Uh, and we also stream the unhinged episodes live when I don't mess it up like I did last week. So tomorrow night, another live unhinged episode of Conspiracy Pilled on Rockfin. It'll be on Locals and Odyssey the day after. So I, I have to say, Rumble Rick says he works at Rumble. <laughs> and also, my husband's in the Rumble chat saying, oh my God, the Rumble app has live chat now. So thank you, Rumble Rick, for whatever you're doing over there. Yes, because seriously, thank so you guys. That was the number one complaint we got from people like, oh man, I love watching your show, but I, I don't like that I can't live chat from my phone. And mm-hmm. I kept saying to people, hey, look, this is the growing pains. This is what you go through to get the app you want. If you think of YouTube in 2009, not only was there not smartphone apps or smart, well, there was smartphones. Not only was there not smartphone apps and live chatting and all that stuff, it just was not even close to as good as Rumble's gotten into in such a short amount of time. So if you keep supporting us and Rumble and stuff like that, you're going to get the app you want. And now we've got live chat on, on mobile, which is awesome. And over on Odyssey, Blankets is already sending in the Twilight memes, which I am here for. <laughs> we are excited to show those at the end of the show because Blankets makes the best memes about our show. Live, live memeing. We love it. Okay. Live memeing. Let's, let's pray. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you so much for letting us be here for everyone who's showing up. I pray you would bless everybody in the chat tonight, everyone who's hearing this, um, everyone who's watching later. I pray you would just be here with us. Um, we're <laughs> not going to pretend like everything we're talking about is about you, but um, we still want to honor you and please you in what we say and do. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, you guys, this this, this episode, I don't even... Okay, here we go. Two trees. Two trees. All right. So what are the two trees that we're talking about at the beginning of this? The two trees in the midst of the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2, 8 to 17 says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Eve is not created yet, just the man. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So this doesn't say that God planted these trees, just that they were there. I don't know what that means. Anyway, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. Mm -hmm. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man (coughs) and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then a little bit later on, Genesis 3, 1 to 7, 
Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did a God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, I think it's worth noting here that yeah. she wasn't there when the original command is given to Adam. Right. Okay. So she was created after presumably Adam has told her and she's now misquoting the command back to the serpent. The serpent's like typical woman actually... not listening to anything we say, misquoting us. Oh, women. Am I right? Okay. Women. Um, yeah. If I, if I drag women enough, will I get more likes on Twitter? I don't know. <laughs> um, and the woman said to the serpent, that wasn't a dig at Pearl at all. No, not at all. <laughs> of course not. Why would you even suggest that? Wow. Um, and the woman said to so the serpent. So is this is this the 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 fruit that we were talking about? Tastes good. Kills you. <laughs> <laughs> Kills you. <laughs> Sorry. And the woman I was looking said for to, a certain meme while you were talking. I shut up, PJ. I'm trying to read the Bible. <laughs> Fair. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And she says, the tree that is in the midst of the garden. So, mm -hmm. she doesn't even acknowledge the tree of life. Um, she just says, the tree, when they're both there. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Um, Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her <laughs> the whole time, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And then a little bit later in that same chapter, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them so they didn't have to wear fig leaves anymore. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. And he drove out the man. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Thoughts. No one ever talks about the tree of life. And like, yeah. that's the thing that I think it's easy for people to forget it's ever mentioned. It was ever there. Yeah, it was yeah. ever there. It's always all of the other trees and plants and animals and wonderfulness. And then just this one single evil tree for some reason. But like, yeah, it, it's interesting that there's, there's both and the one just kind of gets not talked about. Right. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's not that God said, look, there's this life tree and there's this death tree. This is an evil tree. Don't eat from it. He said, I don't I I think what's going on here is that this was supposed to be a good tree in the right timing. Right. Where every day in the garden he was walking with them in the evening um and teaching them things. And I think that there would have been a point if they hadn't disobeyed that he would have said, "Okay, now it's time for you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Mhm. Mm and I think that that one of the things we don't realize about innocence is not innocence is not necessarily 
never doing anything wrong, but never knowing that you did anything wrong. Like children do tons of shitty things, but they're, we call them innocent because they don't have the knowledge of good and evil. They don't know what's right and wrong. So for them to do it is not rebellion. <clears throat> right. Like children lie all the time, but or or you know hit hit each other or do whatever, <laughs> steal things. Yeah. I think when my son was like three, he saw you know a packet of gum at Walmart and just grabbed it, and he I didn't know it. he had it till we were in the car. I'm like, so is he a thief or is he just not know better? Right. Yeah, so exactly. he's still innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he broke the law. Right. So when they eat from the tree, it came up upon them this knowledge that good and evil even exist. I don't think they even understood that. The concept of evil even existed before they ate from this tree. Um, so I have questions, and I've always had questions about this story, and I think that th they're questions that follow really obviously from the story, and that's, I think, a feature of the Bible that is not accepted in mm -hmm. church, that you're supposed to have questions. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, and then you're supposed to ask them, and there's not always going to be answers, but there's it's always correct to ask them. Right because they follow from what God said. Like, imagine if your friend told you something. Y you know how you tell your friend something and you're like, I really hope they ask um, about this, you know, the yeah, obvious yeah. <laughs> question, you know? <laughs> and I think that there are things that God wants us to ask because he's excited to answer them in the, in the, in the correct timing. And so here are my questions. <laughs> Is this kind of like what you do when you come home? You're like, hey, John, notice anything new and you're hoping you'll <laughs> ask about your haircut? And then you're mad at him when he doesn't ask you. Yeah, that, that never kind of happens yeah. because I know better. <laughs> um, so one question is, is it one tree or two trees? I, I think it's pretty clear that it's two trees, but it is kind of interesting that almost immediately the one is forgotten. Right. By everyone but God in the situation. Um, but in some of the mythology that follows that I'll talk about, they're conflated. And, and everyone seems to forget that there was a tree of life or that the tree of knowledge wasn't the tree of life. A lot of the mythologies say it's just one tree, right. which is interesting. It's a lie, but it's interesting that, mm -hmm. that that's, what's, that's what happens. Um, another question is, are they metaphorical trees or literal trees? Right, yeah. And I mean, I've taken a lot of the early Genesis stuff as as metaphorical, but... I'd be will like I'd be willing to be wrong on it too. So I've I've always taken it as literal, but same. I'd be willing yeah. to be wrong about it too. I think a lot of times people will try to make something metaphorical to make the Bible not say what it says. But this is one right. of those cases where it the, says the same thing either way. It's and and yeah. that's very true. I I don't think that that's necessarily what people are trying to do with Genesis in the beginning chapters, just because it is written in a very poetical sense and it's definitely dealing with stuff that is. I mean, didn't we talk about this before? It's like there's times where it's like. God has to to put things to people in a way that everyone can understand. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's not going to give us, you know, the scientific explanation of 2023 uh, mm -hmm. because then people wouldn't understand it until 2023. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah, so I could see it either way. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's probably mo a, a lot more in Genesis that I I'm now starting to think is just literal than I used to for mm -hmm. sure. So, yeah. And if it's metaphorical and we can discuss this in the, the discussion portion, the, the rumble discussion portion at the very end, more with you guys. So keep in mind what you think. Um, but if it's metaphorical, it has to stand for something. Um, right. It can't just be like this. I think a lot of times when people try to make things metaphorical, it's so that they don't have to consider the reality of them 
Whereas I would say if it if this is metaphorical, I, then it's even more important that we consider and ask, like, what is it standing for then? Um, okay, next question. Why did they never eat from the tree of life? You would think that they would have just done that, like, first thing. Cool tree in the middle of the garden right next to the one I can't eat from. Definitely eating from that. Yeah, I know. I, that's the part I'm also confused about. I, I wonder if they were afraid of it. Could be. I don't know. I mean, would fear have even existed? I also wonder if, it, you know, like, let's say God goes down to Adam. He's like, look, there's a tree on the left. It's good. The tree on the right's bad. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Got it. And then he goes there. He's like, shoot. <laughs> Better just <laughs> I not think I'm going to avoid both trees because and then maybe I'll make my wife test. One of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like he, he I have other ribs, right? We can make more. In in I loved Nathaniel Hawthorne's retelling of Pandora's box because mm-hmm. he tells Pandora's box in this way where it's two children, um, Pandora and I can't remember what the other guy, but it's the it's a version of Adam. And the guy really wants to know what's in the box. He wants to open it just as badly as she does. He's just not brave enough to <coughs> be the one to do it. So he encourages her to do it or doesn't say anything while she does it and it's very like it illustrates i think a lot of people blame eve for that moment because she's the one who did it but i Adam think it's was fairly right obvious there. they're equal in blame and i and i think right. that's one thing people don't take away from it is i've i've often said i wonder if the first sin was not eve eating from the apple but it was adam abdicating his authority over eve mm-hmm. by basically being there and being like well you know i guess you know if you want to do it i guess i'll sit back and see what happens right um it's right. cowardice on adam's part or it's you know, like I said, let let her be the guinea pig. Yeah, for the sin that I want to commit. Yeah, because he follows her up. So right, he yeah. he like she doesn't immediately die, so he yeah. takes it. So yeah. yeah, shitty all around, shitty all around. But I do like the joke that this is why women don't know where to choose, <laughs> choose to, where to eat because the last time they chose, so they true. damned all of humanity. So <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, why do we assume the trees were destroyed? When the Bible never says they were destroyed, there's this assumption that they don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. but there was never the, the closest the Bible comes to saying they were destroyed is this passage, Genesis 7, 20 to 24. The waters prevailed. This is the flood. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, <clears throat> livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all mankind, everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life, died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Right. But other than that, where it doesn't specifically say it, it specifically says there's a cherubim set up to guard, whether it's a literal tree or some other type of thing. Right. uh, That it's, it still exists. Yeah. There's never, it's interesting because the Bible is history and it's God talking to us. But first and foremost, I would say it's a, it's a story. It's told right. like a story. And the thing that unites all the different books by all the different authors is that it's one big story. And so when you, th- a theme I want you to keep in mind as we're talking through this is if God's writing a good and interesting story, the story by which all other stories are measured any good story is good because it has some sort of resonance with something in the Bible. And so 
when when you assume God's a good author of a story, why would you create a tree of life and then never mention it again? Um, or you say it's it, it's it's on the earth, and and I make a point of telling you that I'm putting somebody to guard it, mm-hmm. and then I don't tell you it's destroyed. I don't tell you I have freed this angel up from his post, but you're just going to assume it's gone and. It, and not in play anymore. I think it's in play. Yeah. So we'll get back to that for sure. I want to say something really quick. Um, I saw a few people on the uh, YouTube chat saying they're having a few problems with rumble buffering. And then they said it seems to be working. I still see people chatting over on rumble. So um, if you're having problems, try to try to refresh it. Come back. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's ever an issue, because I know, like we said, there's growing pains with Rumble. This is why we can want to continue to support them and things like that, because there's bigger things than, you know, dealing with the fact that mm-hmm. there's it's happening because Perfect. so many people are going there and leaving YouTube exactly. behind, which is what we think uh, is good. So if there's ever that issue and there's a problem that where people just can't see it on Rumble, what we will, you know, and you let us know, then we would stay on YouTube and, you know, deal with the growing pains that way until we can continue to put all our stuff uh, strictly on places like Rumble and Odyssey and stuff like that, but it seems like it's working. So if it's not, let us know. So. Okay. So traditionally, this cherubim that was placed to guard, this is extra biblical mythology. So I think a lot of times there are things outside the Bible that people kind of know that are probably true historically, but should be taken with a grain of this is not the Bible salt. Right, yeah. But traditionally, this cherubim is the Archangel Uriel, one of the four main archangels, Uriel, Raphael, Michael, Gabriel, um, that he's the one who guards the way of the tree of life, and he also guards Tartarus. He's also responsible for Tartarus or the bottomless pit that he carries the keys to that. And we have a artist rendering of Uriel. Yeah, uh, right here. So this is this is an artist who has drawn this flaming sword and also the keys to Tartarus here. Now, did you say this was an artist rendering or is this an AI r- rendering of this? I believe this is an artist. Okay. It doesn't have, it doesn't have the typical AI image look, so I think you're right. Yeah, I, yeah. I think this is this is a this is an artist, but okay. th- that's a, there are things tonight we're going to show you that are AI generated and more and more some of these mythological creatures are being AI generated and the results are really interesting. So it's a good question to ask. Okay. Um, according to Enoch, Uriel was, quote, one of the holy angels who presides over clamor and terror, which would kind of line up with his role over Tartarus. Right. Um, he features prominently in the story in Enoch as one of the watchers, one of the good angels who doesn't go down and sleep with human women, but who is part of the force of angels that reports back, um, basically tattles to God um, about what's gone on and presides over the judgment of these fallen brothers of his um, and assists this cleanup. Um I have another image of him. This is a stained glass window of him um, that's in St. John's Church in Warminster, Warminster, England. So the Catholic Church holds that this is one of the archangels is important. Is he mentioned in certain apocryphal books or just in Enoch or I I 
had a hard time figuring out where exactly he was mentioned other okay. than Enoch, other than it just he's part of the tradition. Um, right, this right, one okay. has him, his wings being really fiery. A lot of the iconography has him carrying a flame <clears throat> um, or or the flaming sword or or both. So gotcha. he's associated with, with fire. Um, but the, these trees in the garden persist into pagan mythology. Some of the earliest pagan mythologies feature it prominently and then it fades, fades out. Um, so the Sumerian and Akkadian mythologies have it. There is this one account. It's called the Tablet of Adapa. Um, and it's, it's about the first man. It's about Adam, Adapa. Um, and in this, uh, the the pantheon of this time period was called the Anunnaki, which a lot of people are talking about these days as sort of this alien scientist race who ha- who showed up and taught people things. So more and more I'm hearing people talk about the Anunnaki as if they are beings that exist today. But at this time they were just the Sumerian pantheon. Um, and there's this whole story about this interaction with Adapa and he's, he's called up into heaven to give answer for this um, thing he did where he cursed the South wind. And um, they, they're the gods are talking to him and kind of making fun of him. Um, uh, And it says on watched him and laughed at him. Come Adapa. Why didn't you eat? Why didn't you drink? Didn't you want to be immortal? Alas for downtrodden people. Um, and they're talking about this this immortal bread of eternal life and um, water of eternal life. And and they they had offered it to him. And they're like, Why why didn't you why didn't you eat it? Why didn't you drink it? Um, and he said, But Enki, my lord, told me you mustn't eat, you mustn't drink. And then they take him and they send him back to earth. So this goes to the question I asked earlier of like, why didn't <clears throat> Adam and Eve eat from the tree of life. And this, this question is at least <clears throat> being asked by the Sumerian people. Like why right. did the first man not eat and drink? And the, the narrative that they're giving is that Enki didn't want them to, that the, the whole story in the Sumerian pantheon is, is backwards to what the Bible says. Yeah. Can I, it, it yeah. makes me think we did that episode about Nimrod and Gilgamesh. And I feel like the more I study the Sumerian beliefs, the more I really think that this is the right view mm-hmm. is that uh, if you're not familiar, if you haven't seen that episode about uh, Nimrod and the, the Nephilim that we did in season one, mm-hmm. basically Nimrod is the grandson of Noah and he created, he built the tower of Babel and then the tower of Babel, you know, everybody starts speaking different languages, spreads out all over the earth. And there's a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people who think that the Gilgamesh character in the Sumerian legend is is Nimrod. And mm-hmm. the more I study, I'm like, it makes sense that all of these tales are the inverse of someone who who went up and tried to fight against God and become, you know, mm-hmm. bigger and better than God to go create his own nation and then retell all the same stories, including the the Noah and the flood story, but twist them all on their head. Yeah. And and this seems like another continuation of that. The Sumerians, it seems like, had the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the same stories, but with an opposite take, take yeah. away from it, right? So. Their hero, Enki, mm-hmm. wanted humans to be wise, but not have eternal life. Right. It's the exact opposite of what our God wanted. He wanted us <clears throat> to have eternal life. And he 
he did want us to be wise, but he wanted us to receive the right knowledge in the right time in relationship with him as we were ready. Well, it's just like you don't tell a child things they're not ready for. Right. Like there's certain things that I want my children to know, but not right now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And a lot of people question like, why would God even put that choice for them in the garden? If like, didn't he just set them up for failure? And I think that the, the answer to that is that he didn't want puppets. He didn't, he wanted an actual relationship with people. So he gave them a binary. Don't do this. This is the consequence. It was a very clear, the same sort of choice you give to a child, right? Where you would say, don't touch the outlet. It will make you hurt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like he didn't give them a complex moral thing to deal with. It was a very clear, don't do this thing. I am your God. This is the consequence. Don't do it. But he still wanted them to have the choice. I think people are going to end up having to learn this lesson themselves the hard way with what's going on with AI right now. We got all these people using like AI love bots and AI girlfriends and things like that, where it's like at the end of the day, you're going to realize, oh, something that is not real and does not have real choice that just does what I want it to do. That's not, you can't love that thing and it can't actually love you. Right. And I think that in some ways the thing creates itself. Like you can't, until you give someone a choice, their right. agency doesn't even exist. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he, you can't have a real human that doesn't have agency. And so he couldn't even, we could, he wouldn't have even made us as human beings if he hadn't provided some sort of agency in there. It was a gift. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back to the Sumerians, the, another piece of this is that in the epic, epic of Gilgamesh, um, after the flood story. So the flood story has to do with Utnapishtim um, and Enki. Enki is their version of Poseidon, which is interesting that he features so heavily as kind of the, <clears throat> the top of this right. particular yeah. pantheon. Um, but after the flood story, Gilgamesh goes out in search of a plant that gives eternal life. He's he's going to look for the tree of life. Um, and this, is, this plant is guarded by Utnapishtim and the serpent. And Utnapishtim denies Gilgamesh eternal life, but he tells him, go seek out this other plant and it'll give you renewed youth. So he does, but the serpent follows him and takes the fruit from him. So he doesn't get his renewed youth either. Gotcha. It's just a fascinating retelling, yeah. twisting of this, this story. Um, we have a image of the way that the Sumerians conceived of this tree. Do you have that? Oh, yes. Sorry, I'm just so into your story. Is it... uh, (laughs) I'm getting lost on bringing up the images. Uh, This one, right? Yeah. This is not the only one. This is just the the one I I pulled. But this is all over their art. So the the two men are the Anunnaki. Um, They're Mm -hmm. part of that whole pantheon. And this is the way that the tree always appears. It's, It's weird. Right. Um, it's it's vaguely tree-like, but it's weird. And then it always has this set of wings over it, um, which just makes me wonder, like, is this a, an actual tree? Or is tree the way that you would describe whatever this thing was, uh, for lack of a better, better way to yeah. describe it? <laughs> <clears throat> right, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a very interesting looking, for sure. It doesn't look like any tree I've ever seen, but... I think you yeah. would still describe it as as a tree uh, to to the best of what you could 
right. liken it to. Yeah. Right. Um, there's one other image of it. I just wanted to give you another. This is just a very, very simplified carving, but even in the simplification, it's still really short. It's still. It still looks like a tree with a cherubim over top of it. Exactly. Like, that's exactly. what it looks like. It's yeah. very fascinating. Yeah. Um, and yes, I do think that that is Uriel right there over right. over the tree. Okay. So. Again, it's it's funny because the Sumerian legends being so similar, even if they want to push people in a different direction, it's mm-hmm. a lot like all these other, and I know you're going to get into it, so I'll try not to get too much right now, but like all these other secret societies and religions and Gnosticism and the Knights mm-hmm. Templar where they take these stories and the goal and the good thing in the story is to take, you know, t- Satan's the good guy because he was trying to give you knowledge is yeah. kind of the takeaway from all of these things. You should seek this thing out that God forbid. So, yeah. yeah. He, he gave you knowledge, but he took your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> made you die. Yeah. And it'll take your soul. Yeah. 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 Um, but after, you know, later on in, in the way that mythology developed, the next time we see this tree is in North mythology, and it's very different, but it's still really interesting. It's Yggdrasil. It's Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L. I'm glad you pronounced that. I always forget. I It's like when I hear it, I remember it, but reading it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yggdrasil? Yggdrasil. Okay. Um, it's an ash tree, and it's supposed to link the nine worlds. So we have up in the branches, well, right on the trunk, we have Midgard. That's where we live, right? That's where we start. And then if you go up in the branches, you can go to Muspelheim and Vanheim and Lasselheim and Asgard. And we know Asgard from this is this is all over Marvel movies, right? This concept of this world tree. Um, but then in the roots, you have the places where the bad creatures dwell, the the giants, right. uh, Jotunheim and Nilfheim and Svartalheim and hell. I find it interesting how like outside of some of the side this and that and the other, how closely it actually links up with, mm-hmm. with the the Christian idea of mm-hmm. of heaven and hell, um, you know, like Asgard, Midgard, and then these other levels of hell, like you know Hades mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah, why can't Tartarus? I think right? Tartarus, yeah, yep, and yep. then having giants be part of it too. So yeah, yeah. interesting yeah. stuff. It's interesting if you look at the progression of the way that different cultures told these stories, the ones that are closest to the beginning are the closest to the biblical accounts and then they diverge as they go along. It's which is fascinating to me. It it gives I think that's evidence that the Bible is true that the the ones that are closest to when we say the Bible was written mm-hmm. are the ones that are the exact inverse but with all the right de- other right details as the Bible and then as you move along different things show up as cultures forget things that came before. Um so this is this Yggdrasil is one that we have a really interesting AI image for. Oh, yes. Um, also, before we show that really quick, I was just thinking like, this is kind of the thing that we're, we're realizing in a lot of our research is like, it seems like a lot of different people are talking about the same concepts, mm-hmm. maybe good and bad and the other. And for me, I don't think that understanding that the Greeks or this, uh, whoever different people had all these similar ideas. I'm like, I think what you're finding is that the idea is based in something true. Um, that's why all the ideas are so similar and you just have to find the one true thing in it. So yeah, here's the, here's the one. 
This is so fascinating to me because an AI made this of the world tree. Why mm. does it look like two trees, PJ? I know that's the thing. It's it's the it's two trees kind of linked together, and and there's no there's no reason for the AI to have done this. Yeah, what was the AI prompt? It was it was the tree of or the world yeah, tree, the world tree, the Ingersoll. world tree. Yeah. So going back to what I said about the way that mythologies have started to conflate the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, these two trees that were next to each other in the garden, they were both planted in the midst of the garden, right? But they're not the same tree and they don't do the same thing. The Bible's really clear that they're separate. Eve started to maybe conflate them. Um, and and this AI is certainly conflating them. And we're going to see throughout the rest of this episode how thoroughly they get conflated in the way that people think of them. Right. So, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do want to say, I, I think I said earlier that the Bible never talks about the tree of life again. That's not quite true. It does talk about it at the very, very end in Revelation 22, 1 to 5. John is speaking about his dream where he's in heaven. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city and also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. So the tree is growing up on both sides of the river. Like you picture a split trunk. But it's one tree. Um, but it's on either side of this river of life. Um, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no lamp of light of lamp. <laughs> <laughs> they will, they will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So <laughs> it's, it's there in, in revelation. A lot of things that existed on the earth are also spoken of in revelation as existing in heaven. It's almost like there's like a, a version on earth and a version in heaven. It's a very Plato had this idea also that everything on earth, there existed a platonic ideal in mm -hmm. heaven or whatever he so if there was an apple you would be getting an imperfect apple but there existed somewhere in in the heaven he it's like what them. we talked about last week with the ark of the covenant right yeah. is the ark of the covenant on earth because it was god telling them how to make the ark of the covenant and you see it again in revelation that so like, in heaven yeah when that that's at least my interpretation of it because a mm -hmm. lot of people say oh the ark of the covenant is not anymore on earth it's up in heaven i'm like well i don't think that necessarily no, it was always both yeah, yeah i think it was always both Really yeah, quick, sorry, I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but I didn't realize we've been going for about 40 minutes. We usually cut off YouTube at a half an hour, so oh. if you guys are not wow. following us over on Rumble, or, yeah, it's just, I'm sorry, I'm just so fascinated with this story, so I'm like losing track of time. Uh, I If you guys are not following us on Rumble or Odyssey, I dropped the Rumble link in the chat there for you guys on YouTube. I'll drop the Odyssey one as well if you guys prefer that. We're also on Rockfin uh, as places, but we're going to be shutting off YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, whatever other places we're streaming on. So come over to one of those. It's just going to shut off. Uh, you won't have any warning beyond this in the next couple of minutes. So uh, keep Bye. going. Yeah. See you, YouTube. Fuck right. you, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. <laughs> Very much. Uh, <laughs> um, 
I love that 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 the tree of life is in heaven, but I Plato wasn't correct, but Plato talked about something that was true. And I think that it's so we we are so quick as Christians to dismiss things that are not quite right. 100% true instead of saying what's what's resonant about this? What is the reason right. that this is captured imagination? And, and so much of what Plato said was really hitting on a lot of true things, the idea that that heaven has the platonic ideal of everything, that everything's a copy an earthly copy of whatever is in heaven um, or whatever was in the mind of God. So, okay. Um, hang on, hang on. I know you guys have only been here to talk about drugs and I'm sorry that it took <laughs> so long to get here. Um, that's what we came for. Yeah, I That's saw someone in someone for. in chat earlier saying like so so the they're supplying free psychedelics for for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody, if you haven't taken your psychedelics yet, take them now. No, um, please don't. <laughs> this isn't the Joe Rogan it's experience. A joke. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just joking. Um. So the concept of the tree of life and the world tree um, mm -hmm. persists to this day, mostly in shamanism. And in the use of psychedelics, which is a big part of shamanism. Right. Um, the use of psychedelics in shamanism goes back thousands of years. <clears throat> um, what is new is this way that in our modern era, we've started to separate out their use from shamanism. The idea that you can just do these drugs and it's not a religious thing is the new part. Which is funny because I feel like even the people who kind of subscribe to that belief like they're really into the shamanistic stuff and if you listen to like i said joe rogan experience or if you listen to people who really dive into these stories a mysterious universe does a lot of these stories um it's always linked to shamanism every time mm -hmm. it's like oh i you know i, I just really want to have this experience with these drugs so how do i get them i know i'll go to south america and find a shaman and hell, yeah, it's it's super linked. There's always an indigenous people group behind it. All you guys, always. I keep <laughs> telling you. Um, or it's a secret society, a secret society or both. Or a secret society. And in this case, it is both. True. <laughs> We're going to get to it. All right. Uh, I love it when it's both. It's my favorite thing when it's both. <laughs> so like you said, Joe Rogan talks about this all the time. I feel like everywhere I turn around, I see a major voice talking about psychedelics. Um, yeah. Joe Rogan talks about it all the time with a wide variety of his guests, regardless of what core topic they came in to talk about. If he, I, he proselytizes I, it. It's his religion. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a, yes, it, it very much is. Um, he was interviewing Michael Malice and mm -hmm. Michael said, you've done more to popularize, popularize DMT than anyone else. Yeah. Um, Lex Friedman has done several interviews about it. Sam Harris has, which is fascinating because Sam Harris is, is an atheist. But even when Sam Harris is talking about it, even for atheists, it's still a very spiritual, religious thing, <laughs> even if they don't want to admit it. Goes, I don't think there are such things as atheists. I don't yeah. believe in atheists, and that's not a atheists. joke. I don't think anybody's actually an atheist. Yeah. I don't think Sam Harris is. I think he wants a religious experience from a different source, and he's mad at God. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think, I, I think a lot of atheists are waking up to the, to the realization that, oh, they're not atheists. Mm -hmm. They do mm -hmm. believe in things. 
Jordan Peterson has done a couple different um, interviews about this. Michael right. Knowles just put out an interview about it. Some of these mm-hmm. um, I didn't even get the chance to listen to because they were coming out as I was researching for this thing. But the two psychedelics that came up the most in my research, because there's a, there's a wide variety of drugs that kind of fall under this umbrella, um, were psilocybin and ayahuasca. Um, ayahuasca is a form of DMT that's made orally active by adding another substance. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to smoke it. Um, you can drink it, and it lasts a lot longer with that right. other substance added. Yeah, ayahuasca is so, tea, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Psilocybin is from mushrooms. Um, and DMT is from the bark of an acacia tree. Which is so funny because I was, you mentioned this to me the other day and I never caught that that's where it's mm-hmm. from. Like the Ark of the Covenant was made from acacia wood. So I don't know if there's a link there, but I find that very interesting. The thing is with the Bible, I don't really think that there are coincidences. I don't think there is also, either. It's like as a Christian and as a conspiracy theorist, I don't think that there are coincidences. No, there's not, not with that for sure. <laughs> Especially not when it's both. So right, um, yeah. I have never done psychedelics. Fair warning. Um, have you done psychedelics, PJ? No, no. Great. So I want to be able. To, I wanted to be able to speak on this intelligently, um, and I was really serious about wanting to speak on this intelligently. But I also did not want to do them just so that I could talk about it. So I listened to a lot of interviews. And I reached out on Twitter and I talked to a lot of different people, like a lot of different people. Um, And I feel like I got a really good cross section of people who have had various experiences, some good experiences, some bad experiences, some in between experiences, people who are willing to just kind of share. Um, So I'm kind of aggregating all of that. I promised everyone that their names wouldn't be revealed and that their specific details wouldn't be revealed. But, um, and I apologize if I, come to a conclusion you don't like um Um, there's a difference of opinion um on whether when you do these drugs if you're going into your own mind and creating what you see while you're under the influence or if you're going into another place and this is this is the difference between psychedelics and any other drug is that other drugs are not religious in nature. Other drugs, there is no question mark about whether it's in your head or whether it's in another world. But with, with, with psychedelics, there's this, a lot of people will say this is more real than any reality I've ever known when I'm in right. there. This is a different world. Um, I tend to, to, be of the opinion that it is a different world. This is not in your in your mind. It's not the same as when you're dreaming and it feels real and you wake up and you know it's not. With these, you wake up and you're like, that was more real than where I'm at now. Right. I was reading a book this week where there was a, they're in this insane asylum, right? And they were talking mm-hmm. to this one guy and he was right about what he was saying, but because of the setting and because of his history, people are like, oh, okay, well, whatever. And they didn't believe this guy and, and bad things happened, right? I feel like that is generally what happens with the psychedelic people. It's like, dude, man, I was in another universe, man. And like, you know, we're just, we're just not believing them because they right. sound, you know, they sound dumb. Yeah. They sound dumb and, and, and crazy. So Jess yeah. is over in the rumble. It's like you saying. did drugs. So why would I believe you? 
Sorry, Justice just over on Rumble saying, Abby will go on a cruise through the Bermuda Triangle to see if she'll disappear, but won't do psychedelics SMH. This is true, <laughs> and I want you guys to know it. I would go on a cruise through the Bermuda Triangle for you, and I would go to Mars to see if it actually exists for you or the moon or whatever. Um, but I would not do psychedelics because I genuinely think it's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, to me, like as much, and we'll get into this more, but like as much uh, psychedelic research as I've done, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to play with a Ouija board for you guys either. Yeah, <laughs> you know no. what I mean? So here's the thing, guys. If you want us to be able to go to the Bermuda Triangle report back, <laughs> if we come back, that's why you got to send in those rumble rants. Don't forget to yes. get those in. Um, and Fun we'll read them at the end the of the show. Fun Bermuda Triangle trip. Fun our <laughs> Bermuda Triangle trip. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, we wish we could go on the ground to a lot of different places and, and report to you about them. Someday. I really hope that that's a part of this show is that we actually do some on the ground, uh, reporting, do some, some traveling and make videos and stuff. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know why I thought that was so funny. (laughs) So where were you at? (laughs) You guys. I, I just want to take a minute and say, you guys are amazing. We we love doing this. We love just talking about conspiracy theories. We didn't think this was going to be this big, this fast. I mean, we believe in what we're doing. We thought it was going to grow. We just thought it was going to grow slower, like at industry standard, but it's not. It's growing a lot faster than that, and we're really thankful for you, and uh, we're really astounded by it, and there's some massive things coming down the pipe that are making it difficult for me to believe that my life is real. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you guys are truly awesome. (laughs) Um, Abby's saying that because we have a huge month coming up and we can't even tell you all of it yet, but we have some amazing things in the future. So thank you guys for that. Yeah. So when I was talking to people about their drug use, um, (laughs) uh, it was clear that the experiences varied depending on which drug they used, the dose, Oh my gosh. Holy smokes. $50 for the Bermuda Triangle trip. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you, Jess. Oh my gosh. You guys are the best. Um, guess we have to go to the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> I guess now. we do now. <laughs> Darn it. That was a bluff, you guys. You guys ready for our best last podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Okay, so the, the experiences vary depending on the drug, the dose, and the extent to which people gave themselves up to it. And I think that this is an understated thing that sometimes you could still take a high dose and if you didn't give yourself up to it, you wouldn't go very far and into into the world. But if you really gave yourself up to it, you would. And it was up to you how much you submitted to the drug. And on right. Joe Rogan, one of his episodes, um, they're giving this <clears throat> account of this guy who took a large dose and had a seizure. And they were like, it's his fault because he didn't give himself up to it. And he didn't have a bad experience, but his body really reacted to it. And they said it's because he was hanging on too much to the world and his the staying in this reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's a variety of things that have been said about it by the different people I talked to and by the different interviews that I listened to um, that it opens a gate in your mind um, that you go to a more real place with more sensory input uh, that things are kind of added 
to what you're looking at. So you're in, you're still there. You're still awake. You're looking around the room, but there's more there with your senses. Um, one person told me it's like being in the fourth dimension and looking back into the third dimension, which I thought was an interesting way to put it. Um, everyone, Rogan, everyone, the, the, the primary thing that people talk about is the reason why you should do why they say they say you should do psychedelics is for knowledge about yourself and about bigger things. People like Graham Hancock believe that its use explains ancient knowledge and technologies like the pyramids that that this this idea that, you know, these people, they didn't know something and then they did psychedelics and then they advanced as a civilization as a result that they found right. something in there. <clears throat> You know, I was just thinking about this. Um, as Christians, I think we also believe in seeing things that are beyond our reality and are more mm. than there. And, and Elijah would be the greatest example. This says God opened up his eyes so he could see the spiritual realm and things mm. like that, right? So to me, this reads as Elijah's ready for this gift, this knowledge that's beyond him, yeah. right? And he's given this ability to see this this knowledge that he wasn't ready for before. Yeah. And then psychedelics seems like forcefully grabbing that and maybe grabbing that from the hand of something nefarious. Yeah. At least that's the way that I look at it. God is not trying to withhold something from us. No. But God is trying to give us things in the correct order and at the correct time. And he wants us to trust him that he has our best interests at heart. Well, you wouldn't um, give a you wouldn't give a kindergartner calculus either. You know what I mean? Like, right. They yeah. couldn't. They couldn't do. And this, I mean, okay, great, great example. I was homeschooled, and for whatever reason, it seemed like it would be a good idea for me to do chemistry. I think my sophomore year, and I tried. I tried really, really hard. I was a good student. I had succeeded at everything else, and I tried to get into this chemistry textbook, and I could not do it. I could not get my head around it, and. About a month in, my parents were like, okay, let's save it for later. You're not ready for it. And um, I did something else that year. I think it was some other science. I took calculus at some point, and then I got back into chemistry later, and it was so easy. Mm -hmm. And it was just there were pathways that just weren't formed in my brain yet. I was not ready to even like it was so frustrating that I was failing at it. And then all of a sudden it was easy. And it was just one of those things. Right. <clears throat> I didn't um, mean to get you off topic too much, no, though. <laughs> no, I think that was. I think somebody needed that analogy. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Maybe I needed that analogy. Um, Rogan says, "This is your world, Abby. We're just living in it. So. <laughs> you guys are just living in it. We're just living in it. You guys don't know I'm the I'm the main character. <laughs> no, it's it's actually PJ. <laughs> I know I'm just the sidekick. You guys, whatever. Shut up. Keep going. Keep going with your episode. Okay. Um, Rogan says it makes you a better person. That doing psychedelics makes you a better person. It is a religion for him." Um, yeah. And he has an incredible amount of influence. Um, it, one of the things that it does allegedly is expanding your consciousness, making you bigger on the inside. Didn't Joe Rogan say he doesn't think anyone should be allowed to be president if they haven't done psychedelics or yeah. something like that? He and Graham yeah. Hancock. It's very religious to him. 
Yeah. yeah. They both agreed on their episode together. I think it's their most recent episode because Graham's been on there several times. And I'm a yeah. big fan of Graham. I'm not trying to drag Graham or Joe Rogan. I love Joe Rogan. But they both agreed that every world leader should be required to use it at least once. They just genuinely right. believed it opens up something in your mind that's necessary for being a good person and being a good leader and thinking outside the box and all of these things. That there's kind of this attitude that it sets you apart, makes you better than other than other people somehow. Um, I, and to that end, I found that when I reached <clears throat> out for for people who'd be willing to talk to me on Twitter about this, that there were a lot of people who were really excited and really proud to tell me that they had done it. And I was, and I was like, okay, yeah, tell me about it. And then they claimed right up. And it was, it was strange. It was, I would say it's a feature, not a bug that there's a lot of people who are very proud that they've had this experience, but for whatever reason, they are not either willing or able to talk about it. And I think that it's both. I think mm -hmm. that, it's an experience that is difficult to put into words. A lot of people who were honest were like, I don't know how to talk about it. Um, if you could try to ask me specific questions, I'll, I'll, I'll answer. But there were some people who were really haughty about it. They were like, oh, you would never understand. Because you, you know, and I'm like, okay. You plebeian. Well. <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely that aspect. But you work with um, combat veterans. And mm -hmm. I think that that's also a feature of people who have been to war and things like that yeah. and have PTSD. It's like you could probably answer a question, but how do you even begin to tell people about something you right. know that they don't get? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially if it's a trauma right. and especially <clears throat> if you're not willing to admit that it's a trauma. Right. Um, how could you, how could you even begin to explain an experience to someone when um, you know it was awful <laughs> and you right. don't know how to explain that even to yourself? Even even like outside of war, like funny military stories are hard to tell normal people because you realize that you're speaking a different language and you're like, oh, th none of this makes sense without a, a ton of explanation, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson talked about it as that it loosens the strictures on the more fundamental realms of conception. Jordan Peterson has a way of making simple things sound really, really 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 complicated but basically he's saying that what it what it does is take the thing at the very base of your consciousness and call it into question and shift it it, it pushes you outside of your box so that maybe you're more open-minded to things you wouldn't have seen before or considered um, so the most simple way to put it is that maybe it shifts you outside of your box of thinking and um Is it just me or is this all sounding kind of like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It does. Well, I already <laughs> said it earlier. I feel like it right. reminds me of that difference between Elijah gaining right? sight into the spiritual realm versus like grabbing it for yourself in a way that yeah. you're not, not ready for. Yeah. Yeah. I also and have a hard time. It's, I have a really hard time believing that these people are just hallucinating and just seeing what they want to see mm -hmm. when you've got tons and tons and tons of stories of people seeing the exact same like giant mantis gods and things like that. Yep. Um, the experiences are too specifically similar from different people. Um, mm -hmm. there's, there's no such thing as shared hallucination from taking Iowa. I mean, there is, sorry, there is such thing as shared hallucination in groups from taking ayahuasca. So yeah. that to me is not purely mental. And the thing with ayahuasca that gets to me is that it's, it's a whole ceremony and the people who are the most clammed up were the people who had participated in ayahuasca ceremonies. They just wouldn't. <clears throat> 
go into what the ceremony was. Right. The only thing I really did find out about it is that you do have to throw up, that there's yes. this purge. Yeah. And then they talk about it as if it's this wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> bitch, you threw up. <laughs> I've never talked about throwing up as a wonderful thing before. So, but they talk about it as, as purging. I do want to be fair here. They talk about it as purging trauma. Okay. And I have, there are a lot of stories and I've heard them even in my workplace um, with combat veterans um, kind of peripherally. Um, mm-hmm. So I haven't, I, I tried to find somebody who had actually done this and it had actually done something for PTSD, but I, I wasn't able to find a specific person who was willing to talk to me about that. But I have heard that it is good for maybe purging trauma and just because something offers something good does not mean it's a good thing. Right. And yeah. just because something is a bad thing does not mean it doesn't offer something good. And so I believe everyone who says psychedelics help me through my addiction. Psychedelics help me through my PTSD. Whatever this thing is, whatever it does, I think that it probably does do a good thing. I just wonder if the cost is worth it right, on the back yeah. end. Um, <clears throat> that, yeah, maybe it shakes your fundamental beliefs and maybe that shakes out something bad from your fundamental beliefs, but is that ultimately the right way to What are right you taking in and replacing this? it with? Yeah. Right. Um, maybe there's another way to do the same good thing that's not this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but many... I am, I look at this and I'm like, this sounds like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the shamans, the people who use this, who are using it in the context of shamanism or in line with shamanism, they say, this is the tree of life that when you take it and when you're on this high, it's like you're climbing through this tree of life. You're climbing through the world tree, the way that the Norse people, um, Norse mythology describes it where you 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 go up and you explore this branch, you explore this branch, you get this knowledge, you get this knowledge, and you run into this entity over here, and you run into your ancestor here, and a lot of shamanism is using this to talk to your ancestors. Mm. And maybe you you talk to one ancestor, and he tells you how to get farther in the tree. He tells you about his journey in the tree. And there's this idea that the tree is way too big for any one person to conquer, to get to the top. And what is at the top? It depends. Some people think it's God and some people think it's themselves. Um, But there's this concept too where in the world tree, and maybe you could, could you bring up that first image of the world tree where it's got the, the realms in it? There's this idea too that. So I just got to find it again. Keep talking. That the tree is mirrored that you've got just as much above as below and that a bad what does that remind you of sorry <laughs> what oh as above so below it's as above it's, so below yeah, yeah. So. i'm gonna get to that because that oh, is a so core I, did, I realized that when i cut you off no, no, i'm no. sorry that, i'm glad you said it that's a core principle of alchemy which we're yeah. going to get to next but as above so below this concept that this tree is mirrored and on a trip you could go up or down Mm. And a bad trip is when you go down. 
when you go down and you end up exploring the darker parts of the tree instead of going up toward God or go up toward whatever good thing you think is up there, um, self-discovery, you go down into some bad place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people who are very religious about the use of psychedelics, they'll talk about bad trips, but they'll dismiss them or be like, well, yeah, but you just, dis- you just, you, you were exploring the roots. Don't do that. That's your fault. I, I saw something interesting in the chat from Bobby Knott that said there are Buddhist monks who practice projectile vomiting, <laughs> which I find funny. And then later, what I thought found interesting says they gave ayahuasca to this monk and it had almost no effect on him. He said he he said he felt feels like this all the time solely through meditation. That's interesting. And that's a really good point. And I'm glad you brought it up, Bobby, that there are so many different ways that people pursue this exact same thing that this pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of the knowledge of good and evil that people pursue through psychedelics, they also pursue through meditation and they also pursue it through other ways, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it kind of goes back to my theory that these things like the pursuit of knowledge in and of itself is not the bad thing. It's, it's the timing of it. It's the way you go about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I know I've been guilty of this too, of seeking out knowledge about, demons and things like this when like it's God's job to reveal to me in his time right what what he wants me to know and if I go too deep trying to figure out evil um that's actually bad <laughs> it's bad for me um and I f- I start to there's been there's been moments in the past couple of weeks when I've been doing so much research into demonic things that I will start to get this incredible headache and lose my vision and like that's when I know that I have to stop. But right. it's the same way I feel if I'm in a room with a Ouija board. <clears throat> like it's just, it's the way that I feel when I'm watching an ad for Balenciaga. Like I have just a way of knowing <laughs> yeah. when it's demonic. And the Balenciaga one was interesting because you sent me one when we were talking about the Balenciaga stuff and it wasn't visually appalling and weird mm-hmm. the way that some Balenciaga stuff very much is. It was just a normal Balenciaga fashion show. And you asked me, what do you get from this? I'm like, I don't know. I feel an incredible sense of evil. I feel depressed watching this very normal looking fashion show for mm-hmm. some reason. But it was just there. The, the evil was like very mm-hmm. present. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those like, if you have eyes to see, you'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. But we've alluded a little bit to the entities that people see that that emerge across experiences and a few of the people that I talked to reported seeing entities and were often unwilling to talk about it. But one person said he saw the angel of death. Um, and then he also saw his father. Um, one person was part of a friend group that were all Christians. Um, and he said that he his very first time was like, this is wrong. And so he stopped and he didn't give himself over to it the way that his friend group did, but he watched his whole friend group do this. And they talked about the entities that they met. And at first these entities were giving them very like good advice, things that helped them in their lives. Um, But all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but like slowly, but surely it was like, you should leave your family. You should leave your wife and child. You should you should leave your faith. You should walk away. And so the the end result was a little bit of good stuff that led them right out of their Christian lives. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of what people talk about most commonly about these entities are the are the DMT elves, the machine elves. So we have one artist rendering and one AI rendering. Yeah, so here's the artist rendering, right? Yes. Which <clears throat> I'm sorry, that's demonic, you guys. Oh, it's very easily, yeah. <laughs> Goat horns and the pentagrams horns, and all of it, yeah. Um, but I want to point out here, I hate looking at these images. These images give me headaches, but yeah. the ears uh, here. Um, and then let's move on to the AI image. There's the AI image. Um, very, very weird. Um, very weird around the eyes. Very weird around the ears. Um, but... A lot of what people report, you can take that down whenever you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's creepy. <laughs> it, yeah, it gives me a headache. Um, but a lot of people report these entities that they'll go into the space, they'll meet with somebody. This person will not give them their name, um, but we'll talk to them and we'll help them and we'll help them realize things and we'll give them some sort of knowledge. And they often have these, well, they always, they always have these pointy ears. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's weird. Um, it's weird that consistently across experiences, people who don't, people who don't even believe <clears throat> in anything in particular are all putting pointy ears on these creatures. Right. And they're never giving them names unless they're their ancestors. Like sometimes it's like, well, this is my dad. This is who I wanted to meet here. It's my dad. It's it's my great grandfather. It's, it's but, like the sleep paralysis demon stuff where people are seeing the same entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um where else where else have we seen in mythology creatures with pointy ears who won't give you their names? Fake creatures. Fairies. Yeah. yeah fairies. Fairyland. And it's the exact same. <clears throat> I'm going to argue that it is the exact same thing. I wasn't going to say it earlier because I knew you're going to get to the Fae, but I was looking at the what you called clockwork elves or the DMT elves Machine or whatever. I'm like, elves, yeah. those look like Fae creatures. They look like fairies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Jesus came down in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is the last time, at least in the Western conception of things, that we have a pantheon, an actual pantheon. And the pantheons that still exist in like India, those have just continued to exist this whole time. Right. Um, it's not that like they cropped up. There's never been a new pantheon since Rome. Right. In To my understanding. It looks like Jesus came down and beat the shit out of them. And then they just never showed up again. Um, but what did show up, the only mythos that did show up in the West was fairyland this concept in england in particular and in in the uk that you could go through a portal you could go through kind of a doorway you could go into the woods and you could accidentally slip into another world it wasn't something in our world the fairies didn't live in our world but they could they could slip in and out and we could slip in and out and we could slip into fairyland and we could meet these beings and there were danger they were dangerous but they could sometimes offer you good things, but they were always tricksy. They were always deceptive. They would never never give you their names because names were power over them. And you shouldn't give them your name because that was power over you. 
and that they would make bad deals with you, that they would make with you a bargain where you thought you were getting a good bargain, but in reality, the cost to you was so much higher than you thought. And this tricksiness and all of this bad bargains was such a feature of the interactions between humans and fairies, which I think is truly what is going on with psychedelics. It's just fairyland all over again. It does seem like fairyland all over again, especially considering all these people are seeing the same fake creatures. And on top of that, for people who are not familiar with with the fairy lore, um, <clears throat> these things are not... You think of like Tinkerbell and stuff like that, right? Is like the modern conception of it. But these things were not just these tiny little pixies. They were... Mm-hmm. one of the A lot of the legend have them being very beautiful on the surface, and it's mm-hmm. called a glimmer or something like that. But it was, glamour. When it, a glamour, a glamour. When the mm-hmm. glamour goes away, they're the most disgusting, hideous, mm-hmm. vile, evil creatures you could possibly imagine. And it makes me think when you said good trip, bad trip, I'm like, is it that the, the, the glamour of the trip... Mm-hmm faded away. Yep. Yep. I think what people are not what emerged in in the number of people that I talked to, which wasn't I mean, it was a lot. It it was it took a lot of my time. But it was still a small number of people. Mm-hmm. But in general, I found that people who had a belief in God had bad trips. And people who didn't had good trips. So are you saying the veil was removed for the people? That's that's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I talked to one guy. It was incredible. Um, he he believed in God, but he didn't believe in God, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and he took LSD and he met Jesus. Um, and it was one of these like, don't go any farther. Um, I care about you kind of things like, glad to meet you. Do not go down this road. <laughs> And he did. Um, and he almost lost himself. He was, well, he did lose himself for, for quite some time. And, and this is something that the people talk about with psychedelics, but they don't talk about enough where they talk about it and they dismiss it of like, yeah, this happens to some people, but they're just weak minded people or like whatever. But there are people who take these drugs and then get completely lost that yeah. they never come back to reality. Um, they come completely un unclipped. Um, it's hard for me to look at psychedelics in a positive light just because of the MK ultra stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard for me to think like the one, the most demonic evil thing our government did that we know about was to drug a bunch of people on LSD and force them into, to this, these types of mind control and do all these terrible Mm -hmm. experiments on them. And the things that came out of that was the government started playing with demonic stuff and things like, uh, what was it? Project, uh, I can't remember it, but there's a project where they started like getting into demonic stuff. Uh, project Stargate, Project okay. MK Naomi. There's a lot of these mm. things that came out of MK Ultra that were just more and more and more evil. And it started with putting all these people on these hallucinogenic drugs. So, like when I look at it, the government uses these drugs for control and for evil. It's hard for me to think that that's there's it's a good thing. I guess. Mm. A feature of psilocybin in particular is that it makes you very, very suggestible, very, very yes. um, hypnotizable, mm-hmm. which like you are really opening yourself up to control. Um, yeah. And even if you don't believe in the demonic, um, it's still there. So <laughs> your disbelief doesn't mean anything. Um, 
Remember when I said there's always a secret society? Always, yes. <laughs> Guess who funds a, a lot, like puts a lot of funding towards psychedelic research? Shoot, I actually don't know. The Freemasons. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah, of course guess, they do. Guess what else they fund? Every, every evil thing ever. <laughs> research into schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah. Which is so... I think the link between schizophren- schizophrenia and psychedelic use is overblown. Um, what's Schizophrenia shows up in, in your mid-20s. Right. Um, if it's going to show up. And that's often also like kind of the timing you would be <clears throat> experimenting with drug- drugs. And so I think that the link has been unfair. But at the same time, there is a really interesting connection. I think that the Freemasons see <clears throat> is that both of these things have you outside of reality, that schizophrenics live in a different reality. There, there's two things I want to say about that really quick. And one of them is... With schizophrenia and drug use, this is what part of MK Ultra was, which is taking schizophrenics, putting them on drugs, trying to create split personalities. You've got mm. Project Mockingbird and things like that, which were to create people who had the, basically personalities. They could use code words and things like that to bring out of people. So the, the going back as far as our own government is used, talking about Freemasons and stuff like that, our own government is publicly used um, LSD. It was very early on linked with with schizophrenia and trying to find schizophrenics to to experiment on and use use LSD mm-hmm. on for these purposes. The other one you said with the Freemasons, I mean, if you look at the beliefs of Gnosticism as it's evolved through the ages and become Freemasonry, you know, got Gnostics and the Knights Templar and and Kabbalah mm-hmm. and all these things. Mm-hmm. Their belief is that the knowledge of the tree of good and evil was a gift from Satan. From Lucifer. That's why they're Luciferian yeah. uh, religions, and they believe that that is it, it, it is happening, but it's a good thing. Yes. Is the belief. And this going is back why thousands of years. This is why we don't believe in atheists. Right. That we're at <clears> a point where they're more and more, instead of saying Satan isn't real, people are saying he's he's real, but he's a good guy. Yeah. And everything he did was good, actually. I'm seeing people say, yeah, the giants were real. The giants in Canaan were real and the Jews were evil to genocide them. <laughs> this is the main theme that we're seeing is, is as soon as, as soon as one side figures out what it is, cause it's been hidden from us for so long. The mm-hmm. other side goes, yes, but it's good. And, and yes. one of the greatest examples of this is, talking about what you're saying is the abortion argument for a long time. Even Christians were like, well, I don't really want to call abortion child sacrifice. That's a little, extreme and then they realized oh no it literally is child sacrifice and then the other side goes it is good it is child sacrifice and we have a religious right to it as satanists and you have the temple of satan saying you can't take away our abortions because it's a it's a religious practice for us so yes it is but it's good child sacrifice is good now yeah great yeah um so Speaking of child sacrifice, um, <laughs> if you guys want to stop child sacrifice and do what you can to uh, do away with it, you guys can go over to northarrowcoffee.co and you get a, a bag of delicious coffee. It's single origin. It's roast to order, so it's not just sitting on a shelf. And you can use code PJ10. You could use code Abby10, but I don't know if we'd be friends. And you'll get 10% off your order, and 15% of every single sale goes to pro-life, uh, pro-life centers, uh, pro-life pregnancy centers, and stuff like that. To help give a women, to help give women 
resources so that they're not facing that decision and feeling like they're alone and they have to choose abortion. So if you guys want to do that, go to northarrowcoffee.co, get a bag of absolutely delicious coffee. Which one's that you got right there? This is well, this is a bag of I know, red but beans. <laughs> for a <laughs> because prop I refuse at this point. to use a whole bag of perfectly good coffee as a as a decoration on my desk. But this is a bag that I drank. Um this is the Peru number ten. My favorite is the French roast. Agreed. The coffee of the French month, roast is my favorite. Yeah. The coffee of the month is really good. That's what I'm on right now, is that I just have a different coffee coming every month and I love the variety of it. Um PJ, I let I trust PJ to do the production here and he's got he's got this thing up here saying use co-pj10 but never abby 10 i mean i'm trying not to steer people in the wrong direction that's all yeah yeah anyway we all guys let me down look you guys let me down last year we had a competition and abby beat me i'm just i'm not mad (laughs) i'm just disappointed just disappointed so yeah use code abby 10 because it's just better Um, all right yeah (sighs) so we've talked about this idea that people are religiously pursuing the knowledge of good and evil um, as as a religion as a religion that cuts against god and i would argue as a way to get back to eternal life that the concept is that if you go far enough into your error if you if you eat enough of the fruit you could get back to the tree of life somehow that you could pretend that they were the same tree and that if you pursue knowledge far enough you can find eternal life and this is something that's that's cropped up over and over throughout history various groups in various ways throughout history have been trying this um and I'm going to name it the cult of Hermes. And I'm going to explain why. Um, in, in my research on psychedelics, psychedelics, I kept running into alchemy and ended up realizing they're, they're basically the same thing. And they're often used together. Um, the reason people believed in alchemy, that the whole, it was something people chased for years and years and years. But the reason they believed it was something they could even get to at all was because of the Hermetic texts. And the Hermetic texts are, are a, a group of texts that were allegedly given by the gods Thoth and Hermes, which Thoth is just, this is Hermes right here. Um, this is the Greek conception. Thoth, where I have a picture of him later, is the is the Egyptian conception. Hermes is the messenger god. He's got these these wings on his feet and because of these winged sandals in the mythology, he's able to cross realms when other gods couldn't. So because of his sandals, he could go and he could talk to humans and he could send messages from the gods and he could, he could share secret knowledge with people um, when the other gods couldn't. He has this uh, twin snakes on his little staff here. This is the same symbol that you see on pharmacies. Mm-hmm. And part of this secret knowledge that a lot of people, a lot of secret societies bought into was the the pharmacological stuff, the the drugs, and and the things that he had to give. Um, he is he's the one connected with these snakes that that are, <laughs> yeah. And then he's the trickster god. 
and uh, the God of Thieves and and things like this associated with the, the saying the whole pharmaceutical industry worships a trickster God. <laughs> I also find this interesting. I think the Bible would refer to uh, Hermes as a Rephaim. They were the people who they were the the beings that could cross between Sheol and and mm. and this earth. So mm-hmm. find that interesting. Fairies. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Rephaim. Hermes fairies. is the god of the fairies. Yeah. Hermes is the god of the fairies. He's I think the god I got it wrong a few weeks ago when I said I think that. Well, maybe I'm not wrong in this, but I think some of the old Rephaim stuff in the Bible seems to be where we could have gotten the idea of vampires. But I'm the more I study the Rephaim, the more I'm like, I think they're fairies. Yeah. Yep. So I would argue that Hermes had his heyday in the same time period where alchemy was at its height and where fairyland was at its height um, in that old England time period. And I think that a lot of these different gods and these pantheons have each had their moment throughout history where you could say in the world wars, it was, it was Ares that he, he just had the run of it. Can and I, can then, I read a, a comment really quick? Yeah, Cause I want to get your opinion do. on this. Uh, it's your husband. Actually, he says maybe the medical industry is doing that, but I thought it was more the, from the snake of Moses staff. It's, it's interesting. The, the way that pagan mythologies twist what is given in, in the Christian mythology, because the Christian mythology, the snake deceives, even the garden, and there's this prophecy against the snake that I'm going to stomp on your head, right? And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and her offspring is right. going to wreck you, right? And then Moses later on, he he puts he he has this. Everyone's really sick from eating this poisoned thing, and he has this staff, and he has a golden snake on the staff, and he holds it up, and it's like if you just look. If you just look at it, um, you'll be healed. It's one snake though, right? Not two. It's just one. Yeah. So what I wanted to say from that is I think that that is a common misconception that works in the favor of these, of these people, because we see this all the time where people take what seemingly on the surface to, to normal people looks like a Christian symbol. Mm -hmm. And when you look further into symbol, you're like, oh, it's a perversion of a Christian symbol. So yes. the two snakes on Hermes staff, I'll show you again really quick is, mm-hmm. is the one that we see on the, on pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. and hospitals and ambulances and stuff like that. Just like a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Rosicrucians and it looks mm-hmm. like a cross, but if you look, it's an Ankh, yeah. which is an Egyptian yeah. symbol of, of resurrection. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I chose this picture of Hermes because better than any of the other ones I found it, it showed the tricksterishness. It showed the it showed the evil. Yeah. Um, but alchemy is something that came through these hermetic texts, and the most famous of the hermetic texts is the Emerald Tablet. It's referenced by a lot of historians as if it's a real thing. We have an image of it. Um, it was supposedly this incredibly big. I mean, you see humans down here in the left corner. So incredibly big tablet made out of emerald um this is obviously it looks like in, a volcano even like yeah with some kind of eruption at the top or something yeah it's I, it might just be shining i'm not sure yeah, yeah, what might, i think you're right i think it's the shining if it is an emerald because this is just a black mm-hmm. and white picture there's there's enough historical references to it to think that it's it's probably i mean the historicity is is there mm-hmm. but the story is that it's an emerald. I mean, that's it's massive. 
Right. Um, and it disappears from history around the time of the burning of the Library of Alexandria. It's just gone. It Nobody knows where it is, if it still exists. I don't think anyone really thinks it still exists, that it got destroyed somehow. I don't know. But there's there's a bunch of different versions, transliterations of it. Here is one of them. This is the longest one, so I figured maybe there's some stuff added to this that, that was never on the original stone, but at least you're going to hear everything that was probably on it. And it says, True it is, without falsehood, certain and most true, that which is above is like to that which is below, and that which is below is like to that which is above, to accomplish the miracle miracles of one thing. And as all things were by contemplation of one, so all things arose from this one thing by a single act of adaptation. The father thereof is the sun, the mother the moon, the wind carried it in its womb, the earth is the nurse thereof, it is the father of all works of wonder throughout the whole world, the power thereof is perfect, if it be cast onto the earth, it will separate the element of earth from that of fire, the subtle from the gross. Uh, from Subtle from the gross? Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. With great sagacity... It doth ascend gently from earth to heaven. Again, it doth descend to earth and uniteth in itself the force from things superior and things inferior. Thus thou wilt possess the glory of the brightness of the whole world and all obscurity will fly far from thee. This thing is a strong fortitude of all strength for it overcometh every subtle thing and doth penetrate every solid substance. Thus was this world created. Hence will there be marvelous adaptations achieved of which the manner is this. For this reason, I am called Hermes Trismegistus. 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 Yeah, I've heard it before. Yeah. Trismegistus. Because I hold three parts of the wisdom wisdom of the whole world. That which I had to say about the operation of Sol, the sun, is completed. So this is about alchemy. It's about it's about one thing being adapted into other things and gross things being adapted into into bigger things. And this is where they get this whole conception of alchemy. But it also sounds an awful like lot like John one, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull this up really quick because I didn't have this in my notes and I saw it as I was reading it. Um, so hang on one moment. I'm sorry. I'm looking ahead in our notes and I'm seeing stuff that I'm like, I'm getting so many thoughts on the next thing we're talking about. So yeah, I got this. I, I got this thing for you. Real so quick. this idea from John one is this sure. is what the Bible says in the beginning was the word which is the logo, the logos, the yeah. word there in the Greek is the logos. In the beginning was the logos. And the logos, I, this is why I don't like the translation because logos means so much more than just word. It's it's so much. So in the beginning was the logos and the logos was with God and the logos was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So this this idea on this emerald tablet seems to be, and this is what the hermetic texts are, is this bastardization of Christianity. And, and there's this claim that Christianity is driven from hermeticism, but 
that's always the claim is like Christianity was just pulled out of this pagan religion and this pagan religion and this pagan religion when it's like, no, Christianity was first and everything else flipped it on its head. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you want me to bring up the hermetic uh, principles? Yes. So, okay. Cause I've got so many thoughts on these. I'm reading through. Yes. Them. Holy smokes. So this is, I, I told you I'd have an image of Thoth. This is the, this is the Egyptian version of Hermes. And these are the seven hermetic principles that are taken out of what I just read and the other hermetic texts. Um, PJ, since you have so many thoughts, do you want to read them and talk about them? Yeah. Okay. It seems like every man, it <laughs> seems like every form of thinking that we have today that is anti-Christian, that is even really big in a lot of conspiracy corners uh, is, is in here. You got first one, the principle of mentalism, all is mind. The universe is mental. To me, that reminds me a lot of the uh, the what what am I trying to say of like the whole matrix idea that we all we don't mm -hmm. really exist. It's a simulation theory stuff, right? So you got that. You got the principle of correspondence, as above, so below, as below, so above. The principle of uh, Satanism, of Luciferianism, mm -hmm. the principle of vibration. You hear this a lot in the New Age movements. Uh, everything rests, everything moves, everything vibrates. And that mm -hmm. really makes its way into a lot of Christian the corners. Crystals. And I think it's, yeah, it's crystals. It's the whole thing, but I find that really weird. Um, it's something I've always rejected. I'm like, eh, I wouldn't use that phraseology. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was hermetic though, till just now. The principal Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Yeah, it's all yeah. the new agey stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, the principle of polarity. Everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has pairs and opposites. That's Gnostic dualism, mm -hmm. uh, which is another one of those claims. They try to say, well, this came first. Actually, it came a few hundred years after Christianity, and it bastardized Plato. Mm -hmm. um, it, but yeah, Gnostic dualism, and it goes through everything. It's where the two-spirit idea comes from. You see this in everything. Everything's got an equal opposite. In the Gnostic religion, um, there was 24 gods. They all had, there were 12 pairs. It's really hard to explain because there's like multiple levels of this all the way down to Yaldabaoth, who mm -hmm. is supposedly the God that created the earth and he's the bad guy. And mm -hmm. Jesus is actually in opposition to Yaldabaoth in mm -hmm. complete bastardization of Christianity. Um, and it's in everything. Philip K. Dick, um, mm -hmm. all of his work was about Gnosticism. I'm realizing that um, Stranger Things is about Gnosticism. A lot, a lot, a lot of mm -hmm. movies you've watched are the Gnostic principles, this Gnostic duality. Mm -hmm. um, the principle of rhythm, the pendulum swings, uh, swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swings to the left. Rhythm compensates. Do we hear that a lot in politics all yeah. the time? Yeah. And all I mean, you time? you do. I mean, of of all of them, I think this is the the one that's the most true and that I, you do see these pendulum swings. You know what history. though? I also think it's a deception. Mm. I think it's a deception because we constantly hear, Oh, well those, the pendulum is going to swing back the other way. And I don't think so. I think it's a slinky. I think mm. that what we're seeing is one side pulls so far to one way and the other side, let's go. And then the new normal's over here and it's just continually going in one direction. Oh. Um, but we get this rhythm of principle where it's like, well, as soon as they're close together again, it means we're at center, but the center's shifted. And mm. that's the exact principle I've been trying to explain for two years um, to people is I, I, they have this idea like, Oh, the, in politics right now, it's going so hard to the left. It's going to come back to the right. And then the new right is Blair white. Right. Right. So then you've got the principle of cause and effect, which is by the way, where you get the idea of 
the revelation of the method. You have to tell Bill Gates has to go out there and tell you Mm -hmm. that he is going to kill 50% of the population through vaccines. And then you'll excuse it because, oh, well, that's not what he meant to say. Um, Every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. They believe in the cause and effect rule and uh, karma. And that's why they have to tell you what they're going to do through movies, through books, through predictive programming, because then when you, when it happens or you didn't believe them, because like Bill Gates didn't really say that the vaccine is going to kill me and then you take the vaccine that kills you. That's because they believe in cause and effects. So they're going to tell you and you're just yeah. not believing them. And then seven, this one is, is very Blair topical. White again. Blair White again, the principle of gender. Gender isn't everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. Gender manifests on all planes. Wow. I didn't realize like yeah. our whole world is working off of the hermetic principles. Yeah. I had people no of all I... walks of life, people who call themselves Christian, people who call themselves Satanists, people who call themselves new age, people who call themselves whatever. They're all operating off at least one of the hermetic principles. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It. I until like this week underestimated Hermes. Me I too. Have to say. <laughs> Me too. And it's funny because I called you the other day when we say we love talking about this stuff and we would do it for free, like we literally we spend, do it for free. We spend more hours talking to each other about, <laughs> about this stuff than ever makes it to the, to the screen. And we right. do multiple shows and we're going on more podcasts in the future, but we talk about this stuff all the time. And I called Abby two days ago, I think. And I said, I think that the Hermes thing is, is keeps coming up in my research for something like, I'm yeah, d- looking for in the future. And she's like me too. And I'm like, and I don't know why I don't know anything about Hermes. It's just something I've never studied. So reading these hermetic principles now it's blowing my freaking mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, I think there's a chance that he was the serpent in the garden. It seems, <laughs> it seems to be that this is, the same as um, why can't I think of it? The one, the one that does the as above, so below symbol, the the b- Baphomet or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. so maybe so I'm Baph- wrong on that. It's just it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Sorry, I got really excited there. That stuff is crazy. <laughs> Secret societies. Um, all of them seem to be about. The arcane, esoteric knowledge, um, all of them, Masons, the Rosicrucians, they're all claiming to have secret knowledge and that and the, that they're carrying it forward from the past into the future and keeping it safe and all of this. And it's been implied over the years that this knowledge pertains to alchemy or to the search for eternal life. And, and for, if you don't understand alchemy, and I never did. I always thought it was just about these scientists slash magicians who were trying to turn lead into gold. But that that's was what they want you to think because they tell you that all the time. And I've never right. looked into alchemy and come away with that. Right. Yeah. It's so much more than that. It, the best you could say for alchemists is that the kings of the times wanted them to do that because they thought that they could. And so that's what they were known for used for, but that was never even what they were trying to do. They were looking for eternal life. The idea was if you could take lead and change it fundamentally, it'd be like, it'd be like looking back in the, 
from the future and saying there was this ancient order of things called the paramedics. And what their job was, was to pry open car doors with these giant right. uh, jaws. It was what they would call them. That was all and they there were these, these, these big hydraulic machines and their whole order was just about prying metal apart from each other with these, with these hydraulic machines. That's what EMTs were. That's what the mm-hmm. historians would say. That's what it feels like when you really look into alchemy and they're like, it was just about turning lead into gold. Yeah. Like, Sorry, that, that thought came to me. I didn't mean to cut you off. It was, it was lead into gold was like the very basic of all of the ideas where like right. if you could take a base thing and you could turn it. And of course it would be really convenient for them if they could do that. And that's what motivated, I think, some people to fund that research is because that was all they saw. But for these alchemists, for these scientists, what it was really about was this whole journey where hopefully you could take your mortal soul and turn it you could make yourself a god you could turn your mortal soul into an immortal soul if you could figure out how to change something at its very fundamental level like the emerald tablet says like the hermetic text says from something base into something amazing um i'm sorry i gotta answer this one bobby not says what would they say truckers did pj uh meth <laughs> I'd say truckers did math, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> alchemy has always been about the philosopher's stone, um, about about immortality. Um, it's a it's always been about following the tree of knowledge until it gives you eternal life. That's yeah. what it is. Um, it's it's very tied into astrology. It's very tied into worship of the gods. It's all of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why the Masons were so interested in funding psychedelics and schizophrenia because they're still pursuing the secret knowledge. Yeah, they all are. The secret societies have always been looking for this thing and the people who are open about it are, mm-hmm. are talking about it through things like AI. We, didn't mm-hmm. we talk, who was that guy we talked about recently? The billionaire, Peter Thiel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about it more than once with the with the adrenochrome stuff and then again with the AI stuff. There's I'm glad you mentioned it because that's mm-hmm. the next thing, right? This is the another iteration of the cult of Hermes where people are pursuing AI, they're pursuing this knowledge, but the end goal is eternal life. They think that they're going to get there through AI. Yeah. Humanity has never from the fall from the moment that the tree of knowledge was eaten from has never stopped pursuing eternal life and they have never stopped pursuing eternal life oftentimes through the knowledge of good and evil, right? Right. Okay. You guys aren't ready for this. I'm ready for this. I know what's coming next. You guys aren't. I was going to say, you, you guys aren't ready for this, but your kids will think it's cool. Uh, Do you get that movie reference? No. No. Oh, back to the future. Continue. Oh, I just, okay. <laughs> back to the future kind of creeped me out because it was. No, it's you, you guys weren't ready for this, but your kids will love it. That's what we'll it love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You guys, what does all this have to do with Twilight? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> it's what you came for what you came for yeah admit it admit it in the chat if you only came here to talk about twilight and you've been sitting here for over an hour waiting for me to get to twilight admit it (laughs) genesis 6 4 the nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward 
when the sons of God, that is the angels, came into the daughters of men, that is, have sex, and bore children to them. These were the mighty men who are of old, the men of renown. Okay, this is this is the Bible verse. Enoch goes into this more thoroughly about how this whole group of angels came, they fell, they slept with human women, they created the giants, they created the Nephilim. It was a mess, and it was the reason why God ended up flooding the earth, because it created all of this violence and all of these problems. It says that all human flesh was corrupted. Yes. Yeah. Except for Noah. Yep. So in the story of Enoch, Uriel was there for all of this. He was there watching all of these angels do this. He was part of the whole. He, he preside. He was one of the top people presiding over their judgment and their destruction. They're casting out. Okay. In 2005, Twilight came out, but we're going to rewind a tiny bit. June 2nd, 2003, Stephanie Meyer woke up from a dream and she said, quote, in my dream, two people were having an intense conversation in a meadow in the woods. One of those people was just your average girl. The other person was a fantastically beautiful, sparkly vampire. We have a picture of this. <laughs> and they were talking about the challenge of being in love when he was attracted to the scent of her blood. And she started, she she woke up and she started transcribing her dream immediately. And Twilight grew from there. Only three months after she Holy had smart. her dream. Was that quick? Yes. Three months after she has this dream, she she has never written a book before. Okay? She's never <clears throat> written a book before. Three months later, she has a $750,000 book deal, and it is published in 2005. When I tell you that this does not happen in the book industry, I mean it does not ever, ever happen in the no. book industry. You do not, you never, as a first-time author, write a book and get even a $50,000 book deal in the first two years not the first three months. In three months, she had a $750,000 book deal because she had a dream Holy about smokes. a vampire and a human. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but this isn't, this isn't a human normal thing. This is demonic. So you're saying that an immortal is, is laying in a field saying, I, an immortal that's also a cannibal like the uh -huh. Nephilim uh -huh. was laying in the field with a mortal uh -huh. woman talking uh -huh. about how hard it would be to love her. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. There's some vibes there. There's, you have some vibes, some vibes, but it didn't end there because twilight changed young adult literature in the same way that the hunger games changed young mm -hmm. adult literature in the same way that Harry Potter changed young adult literature in this, in the way that like when something worked, it really took off because it really resonated. And why do these things, why did PJ, why did hunger games resonate? Well, because what do you mean? Like which part of it resonated? Why did hunger games take? Why did hunger games hit so hard and grab the imagination of entire generation so hard? Because it had truth in it. Because it the only was reason true. Anything, that's the only reason anything resonates with right. people is because it's because true. Because it, it told us something true that we, yeah. and we grew up on this. I'm telling you, Twilight 
was as big as it was for the same reason. There's nobody who doesn't know what Twilight is. Because it was true. The only thing that was wrong about Hunger Games is that the districts are not on the West Coast. They're in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> the district 1 is New York. District 2 is, is LA and everything's in the middle. It's, okay. Yeah. So 2000, 2005 Twilight is published. The first one. And it's four books. In 2007... City of Bones, the first book in the Mortal Instruments series by Cassandra Clare is published. This is another massive, massive series in young adult literature. And you might not care about young adult literature, but teenagers do. These are books that absolutely defined the mental imaginative landscape of millennials and particularly millennial women. Both are big enough to be put, turned into movies or TV series, too. Mortal Instruments exactly. is a, uh, what, Amazon original or something? Amazon original, yep. Yeah. So this is City of Bones. The entire premise behind this book is that there are Nephilim. Wait, it's actually Nephilim in this one? It's, it's literally Nephilim. Now, in this in this conception, Nephilim are good angels. They're, they're, they have the blood of good angels, and their job is to fight demons. <laughs> it's happening, but it's good. It's happening, but it's good. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's Cassandra Clare series. Uh, what else? 2015. This the, that series was quite long, and it's actually still coming out. She's still yeah. writing books in that world, um, and and that series um, included fairies, vampires, werewolves, same as. Stephanie Meyer included werewolves as well. Okay, so on the screen here is the character Resand. This is from 2015, A Court of Thorns and Roses, which features fairies and human women. Fairies and mortal women. This is Resand. Um, another massive series that captured the imaginations of a whole generation. I, I can't understate how big these series are among teenage <clears throat> to young adult women. And you might not have ever heard of them, but that doesn't mean they're not massive. <laughs> right. I knew nothing about mortal instruments, but I've heard of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this, this is literally, I mean, does he not look like, well, go back one. Oh, sorry. Go back one. Yeah. Go back. One. Does he not look like a demon? Yeah. Cause he is a demon. He is a demon. Yeah. He is a demon. Next one is, was published in 2020. This is the first book in the Crescent city series. Same author. Um, this, this is, literally a fallen angel. The so what you're saying is I think you all, you need to go back a little bit further, even though to just Anne rice, like this idea of normalizing yeah, human women fine. having sex with demonic with entities. Yeah. And then you just normalize that for 20, 30 years and young women until yep. all of a sudden it's like, here's what we were really trying to tell you all along that Nephilim mm -hmm. did sleep with women, but it's good actually. And you should do but it it's again. Good actually. The times of Noah will be the, 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 the days mm -hmm. at the end of revelation will be like the times yep. of Noah. Yep, as it was in the days of Noah. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, this is literally Orion. The main character in this series that's really big right now is Orion. He's got a crown of thorns tattooed to his head. Wow. He's a fallen angel. In the story, he works for regular angels, and he's an assassin. And, of course, it's a romance between him and a human woman. Now, I, I, I can't stress highly enough how in every single one of these, these series, and these are just the big ones. There's a ton of little ones, too, that they inspired. There's a ton of other ones. 
I'm only bringing up the ones that are like the most well-known that you could ask any teenage girl and she would know what this is. Um, it's never a human man and an immortal woman. Ever. It is always an immortal demonic man and a human woman. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's a prophecy. In the same way, and this is okay, this is just me getting unhinged. This is just my personal opinion. I could be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong. There were prophecies about Jesus in Greek literature. Mm-hmm. There were, there were, there's been prophecies about big things in the world in the literature of the time, in the mythos of the time, that there's a way that artistically minded people who were kind of just reaching up and pulling something down, pulling something true out of the ether, however you want to say it, um, they're hitting on something real that in the same way that um, the Hunger Games seems to predict a lot of things, that 1948 seems to predict a lot of things. There are, there are artists who are prophets. In the same way that the Babylon Bee constantly predicts the future. Right. I think when when you have the right kind of artists, they're able to, they're prophets. They're able to see what's coming. And I think that what you have in Twilight is this prophecy of something that's coming. <clears throat> and the question is, is it that it's coming back, that the gods are going to be coming down and sleeping with human women the same way that they did in Enoch? Or is it that just one is going to do it? That's so interesting. Man, I have so many thoughts on that. I think you're right. I think that this is... Here's a controversial take. I think that people even like Rael from from the Raelian movement are mm-hmm. prophetic in an evil way because we have we have these mm-hmm. people who are saying the same things. Like really in the last five years, I think that Christians have woken up to, oh, the book of Enoch is referenced by Jude, by Peter, by Jesus, by a lot of New Testament authors saying not even that this is like the truly whole inspired scripture, but this, this idea of Genesis 6 that is in Enoch is factual. That's what we believe. That's that's what our religion is based on. It's telling you that. And only in the last five or so years have people really woken up to that idea and you're mm-hmm. starting to see it be talked about everywhere. In that same amount of time, what's what do you see from from the other from non-Christians? You see the Anunnaki myth. You see mm-hmm. the exact same idea, the Sumerian myth, the flipped inverted idea of Christianity of the Anunnaki coming down, but it's good actually. And you're mm-hmm. seeing that with these books is like, yes, the Nephilim are real, but they're good actually. They should sleep with human women. The only the only thing that like I think you're right about it being really pushed on young girls in a mm-hmm. way that's that's because the idea of the Nephilim was to create well for the fallen angels to create Nephilim through through the sex with human women. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'll push back on is I think that there is a t- a different trend of this happening amongst young men, but I think it's I think it has a totally different um I think it has a totally different reason for it and I okay. think that's to draw them into uh sexual morality in, in some really profound ways. I know Jess earlier talked about the furry craze, which is happening amongst mm. young men through things like these hentai and stuff like that, where they're starting to be attracted to cats and he, really gross stuff. Someone also mentioned Constantine has sex with the devil or with a, with a demon. Um, mm. So I think it's, I think that there is some of it happening amongst men, but I think that it's very different. I think that's and Rael specifically talking about, right. um, but with him, no, actually, you're right with him. With the Raelians, he says that he was part Anunnaki, essentially, mm-hmm. part Nephilim, and that he was having sex with human women. Yeah. 
So you're right. It's happening there too. This is okay. I think some people are going to be mad at me, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it anyway. What your young men are being drawn through pornography, through this hentai into attraction to other young men that, that this concept of something that looks like a woman, but she has a penis. Like it's, it's this whole thing that's bending a transgenderism craze too. Right. And the thing is that so many people think, Oh, you're born this way. You're born this way. You're born this way. No porn bent your mind this way. And maybe you started it at such a young age that you don't realize that that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Or maybe your father or your mother was doing porn. Um, and it, like this is what happened to me, right? My dad was was so in porn and it was so pervading our household and being taught to us that I was taught from a young age to be attracted to female bodies. I recognize that that's a thing. Like that's not my identity. That's just the thing that was taught to me. And I think that we discount how yeah. much our brains can be bent in a certain direction and that and that the chemicals associated with pornography and that kind of... <clears throat> Um, what is incentive brain incentive as far as like the chemicals um, can really bend and change your pathways like this mm-hmm. is known scientifically that you can change the pathways in your brain um, with that kind of reinforcement is the word I was looking for yeah. so yes the conditioning is women sleeping with demons <clears throat> and men sleeping with each other I think you're right. And I also think that it's, if, if it's not with each other and it's just a draw people into things like pornography and whatever, it's leaving women open to wanting mm-hmm. <laughs> just all the men are taken up by porn. Right. They're not interested in relationships. We're seeing right. the statistics coming out of the, uh, speci- I mean, it's in the millennial generation, but it's even bigger in Gen Z where there's all these young men, 19, 20 years old who are saying, I'm not interested in a relationship. I just mm-hmm. want my porn. I just want my mm-hmm. AI girlfriend. I just want yep. my furry porn and my hentai. So if Mm -hmm. demons are attracting young men to uh, these unnatural, weird obsessions in the way with women, it's not for the same reason. It's not because Mm -hmm. the Nephilim actually want to come down and have sex with human women again and create Jess ass. Is this about creating the antichrist? And I think we could talk about that more on, on our rumble only section, which we're going to get to in a minute. But I think that that porn is opening the door for women to be lonely and trapped in their 50 shades of gray because the men aren't, Mm -hmm. aren't interested in the relationships anymore. Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into the most unhinged last section of this. This is entirely me being unhinged. Okay, you guys, I just want to be really clear. I could be wrong and I'm willing to be wrong. This is just where my brain has gone. And I want to share it, but you just do with it what you want. I think the Twilight Prophecy is pointing in a certain direction. Let's pull up that photo of Uriel again. Yeah. Let let me just remind you. This is the angel that is, I think, currently guarding the tree of life. And he has the keys to Tartarus to the bottomless pit. This angel has been guarding this his in, his, well, the entire life of the earth, not his entire life, but And for people who don't know Tartarus it says in 2nd Peter, I believe, is where the watchers were locked up. Right. 
the watchers being the angels who came down and had sex with women to create the Nephilim. So yeah. The ones that he presided over getting locked up. Yes. His, his brethren. Yes. Okay. Now let me just remind you what the cover of twilight looks like. Oh yeah. Sorry. My, my cue, my cue. There we go. You guys. What is that? Okay, I've always wondered about this because I had a girlfriend in high school who was into Twilight and I took her to see the movie, but I didn't read the book. So I'm just like, okay, whatever the reason that there's these hands holding an apple, this temptation, this Garden of Eden, obviously reference is there. I just didn't read the book, so I don't get it. Is it in the book? It is not. Yeah, this is the thing that has always stuck in my mind. There's there's this thing, you know, you get sticky things in your mind. You you don't know why it's important, but you know it's important. This has always been sticky for me. Why did did the people who marketed Twilight choose to put hands with an apple on the cover when it was nothing that happened in the books? Now, they did add it to the movie. They added this one moment where Edward bounces in, like she drops an apple because she's clumsy and it's so cute and he bounces it off his foot and catches it and hands it to her. But it was never in the book. It was just put on the cover because this is what it is. The Twilight Prophecy is about offering the fruit of the tree of life. Because you're that is what that's what it would symbolize in the movie, too, right? It's him offering Bella the tree of, of life to live forever. To live forever. Yeah. But it's a killer first. Right. So Uriel is guarding the tree of life. I think that the Twilight Prophecy is genuinely about Uriel. Um let me just explain. God creates this tree of life. He plants it in the it's it's in the garden, it's in the midst of the garden, right? Nobody eats from it. He puts a guard over it. And then we don't hear about it again. This is Chekhov's gun, you guys. It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece since act 1. It's act 3 now. I'm waiting for it to go <clears throat> off. Right. I'm waiting for somebody to eat from the tree of life. And what would it take for somebody to eat from the tree of life, PJ? It would take Uriel not guarding it anymore or letting them in. Yep. Okay. It would it would take something happening with Uriel. Now, humans have pursuing eternal life all this time. Like he, the human will has been bent on getting eternal life and getting it our way. God, mm-hmm. God presented us his way, right? He's like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, he said, no one can come to the Father but through me. He said, I am eternal. I, I'm the living water, right? Right. Um, I'm the fountain of youth. I'm, every, I'm, I'm, I'm it. And people right. said, no, I don't give a shit. I'm looking for it another way, right? So, revelation. Yeah. This is what this is this is the entire thing that makes me made me want to do this episode in the first place. This is the this is the start point of this episode. We were doing a Revelation stream a couple well almost a month ago now, right? Yeah. In in Revelation 8, we're in the middle of the trumpet judgments. And I'm starting in verse 10. 9 or 10? Ver, or sorry, 8 or not. You said 8. Do you mean Revelation 8, 8 or eight? Chapter 8 verse 10. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven. Now, when when we say a, a star fell from heaven, this in the Bible, this is this is a fallen angel. This isn't 
This is a meteorite. This is a fallen angel. This is the way that the Bible talks about fallen angels when stars fall. Yeah. It doesn't just say a star. It says a great star, which to me, this is like, this is saying an archangel fell from blazing like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is wormwood. This is a word that means bitter and names in the Bible are very much like defining you. This also names change when people. Yeah. Yeah. They change when people change. This angel is bitter and a third of the waters become wormwood become bitter. And many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. And the fourth, then the fourth angel blew his trumpet and the third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining. And likewise, a third of the night. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Whoa, whoa, whoa to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Chapter nine. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fallen. So it's, this is the same star that just fell. It's mm-hmm. just a star fallen. The tense has changed from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft at the bottomless pit. It tells you right there, the star fallen is a he. It is a creature, not a meteorite. Mm-hmm. And it also talks about this many other places in the Bible, including revelations. A third of the stars fell, a third of the angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottom. Like Tartarus. this guy who just fell has the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. And he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth nor any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. Listen, and in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Why? Holy smokes. Why? Because they ate from the tree of life, you guys. Because when Uriel fell, he gave them the tree of life. So when Uriel falls... And this guy who has been in charge of the tree of life and the bottomless pit gives up on both of them. He opens the pit and he gives them the fruit from the tree of life. When he opens the pit, he sends out all these creatures and these creatures are tormenting humans and they want to die, but they they can't can't die because they ate from the tree. This is the most mind blowing thing you've ever put forward. And it, in a way, it's the most unhinged, but I believe it. Like, it's insane to me. It's I've just been so right there. I've month about this, you guys. I know. We've been talking about this for over a month, and I've been so excited for you to, 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 to talk about this on stream, but it's just, it's blowing my freaking mind. When I tell you- Because it's I, there. It seems like it's there in black and white as soon as you understand mm-hmm. the references. It doesn't even seem kind of like, well, that's a stretch. It's like- the angel with the, it says the fallen star. Then it tells you the fallen star uh-huh, is an angel. Uh-huh. It says he has the keys to Tartarus and it says that people will not be able to die. Uh-huh. Can you show the picture again of Uriel? Yeah. yeah. I just got to find it. There we go. I just looked up Uriel. Now, 
it's it's not it 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 blew my mind that I found this picture that another artist had recognized this is a creature that holds the sword and the keys. Yeah. This artist gets it, and I think that this image in itself is a prophecy. Yeah. He's got the keys. And the he's flaming the, sword talked about in Genesis. And, <clears throat> and I have a sadness about this, because if this is true, um, it's an incredible betrayal. Yeah. Right? This is somebody who has been working from God for God since the very beginning, who has watched everything that he's done, and in the end, he's so bitter that he, he just doesn't care anymore. You, you, you told me, and I think this is true, that God is the great author. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes the easiest way, I think, to understand what's coming Mm-hmm. is how would you how would how would this make a, a great story how would you mm-hmm. write this in a book i can't think of a good book that wouldn't end with someone being bitter who felt mm-hmm. betrayed being the backstabber being the person mm-hmm. who turns it it's top 10 anime betrayal yeah top 10 anime betrayals it's in all of the books and movies because it points to something true and it resonates with people because it points to something true mm-hmm. this is so much bigger than judas yeah and I think that we've known this. And sometimes, and and both PJ and I are praying about this a lot because we both think that we have the gift of prophecy, but our gifts are so under underutilized, under practiced, like very baby muscles, right? And so we're going to be wrong about things. Um, and it's the Bible is clear that the way that you judge a prophecy is by whether or not it comes true. That's it. You judge a prophet by whether or not their prophecies come true. So I'm I'm just telling you guys, this is my prophecy. If it doesn't come true, I'm not I'm not a prophet. And that's okay. Right? It's okay. Um that's just that's up to God, right? Yeah. So I think this is what's gonna happen. I think it's really awful. It it, it it's awful and I feel a great sadness like I, it's on one hand when when things seem to come to light it feels in, exciting in a way and then when you realize what it means and to me this just points back to that verse we were talking about in our revelation stream about the the thing that was eaten that was sweet in the mouth and bitter in the stomach mm-hmm. this feels like that because when you said it it felt sweet it felt like mm-hmm. here it is i i've uncovered I this it. thing i, I get it. it yeah and now it's like Holy crap. If that's true, that's really depressed. That's really awful. Yeah. That's yeah. a betrayal, like you said, on a magnitude higher than Judas. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reason that we resonate so much with betrayals and stories is because of this. Because all of this is happening outside of time. So in, in so many ways, this has already happened. Yeah. And this happened before we ever existed. But it also hasn't happened yet. And... um yeah. So with that, let's wrap and let's go to Rumble to talk about it. Yeah, we do want to hear your guys uh, thoughts and questions. So I'll get it to as many things as you want. If you still want to get any super chats, I'll make sure I definitely hit those for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways you can support this show for completely free 
uh, mm-hmm. which we absolutely love, which is a huge help to us. You have no idea how much of a help this is. Um, and I would appreciate it is if you just give us a five star review wherever you listen to podcasts, um, iTunes being one of the big ones uh, that really helps us out. And we have a couple of five star reviews I wanted to read from you guys because we'll always read them on the air as long as you guys uh, do it. And if if you put them on another platform, we don't always see them. So if you screenshot mm-hmm. it and email it to me, PJ at HawkhoundMedia.com, I will not only read it on air, I will also send you a discount code um, mm-hmm. to our shop so you guys can get some some really cool shirts at a discount. Actually, really quick, talking about the shirts, then I'll read the reviews. If you guys want to get a shirt from us, we've got these designs. We've got new designs coming up. Uh, you guys can go over to hawkhoundmedia.myshopify.com. My favorite new one we added is the I Want to Believe shirt with the platypus. I love it. I freaking it so love much. it. I freaking love it. It's my favorite one. Uh, so I'm going to be ordering myself one of those. But our five-star reviews today come from Balto uh, Santini. And it says, I can't get enough. I've heard all uh, I've heard all the more recent episodes, sometimes more than once. And now I can't get back to and now I can't. And now I'm going back to hear the older ones. Thank you, PJ and Abby for and all your guests for creating such a fascinating show. So thank you, Balto. Uh, also, this is one of my favorite names. Don't look at building seven. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. I finally found a conspiracy that brings in the truth of God's word. I highly recommend this show to anyone who is questioning the narrative and wants to hear what is really going on. So thank you so much for don't look at building seven and Balto for your five star reviews. It's a free way you can help support the show. It really brings us up in the ranking and uh, the ratings rankings, whatever you call them uh, and gets this podcast out in front of more people. So thank you guys so much for that. Is there anything we want to say before we uh, say goodbye to our audio listeners and go over and chat with people on Rumble and Odyssey. Yeah, I just want to say real quick, we are thankful. It's like bittersweet that we're at yeah. this point of our show where um, there's so many of you that we wish we could read every single chat and we we can't. So we're going to do our best. But if you want to be sure that it's seen and that your idea is talked about, just shoot us a super chat. It doesn't have to be a lot. Um, if it's $1, we're going to see it. Um, so if there's something you really want to make sure we see, definitely do that. But we're going to do our best to grab your comments and um, anything you want to talk about, about what we just talked about or something else over on Rumble in just a second. All right. And if you guys are audio only listeners, you want to get this um, extended portion for audio, you guys can go over to conspiracypill.locals.com and get it there. And uh, you can support us there and get the bonus unhinged content. Don't forget, we're having another stream tomorrow night. At 7 p.m. on rockfin.com slash conspiracy pill. It'll be on uh, locals and Odyssey and stuff uh, the day after. So see you guys over on Rumble. Till next time, God bless.